Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. Uh, Mark, chapter number 10, and uh, we're going to read a very familiar scripture. Uh, many of you have, have read this before, you, you know the story, <clears throat> but there's some, uh, some parts of it I really want to draw out today, um, and uh, I, want us, I want us to get down uh, the reality is, uh, uh, n- none of us are going to get to heaven because we played church. Amen. None of us are going to go to heaven because of how good we were. Right. None of us are going to go to heaven because of how many, you know, things we accomplished toward the work of God. That, that's not what, what gets us there. Let, let, let me go a step further. We are not going to go to heaven because we want to go there. You know, there's going to be millions and millions of people uh, who, who are going to stand before God someday, and they're going to say, well, um, you know, we wanted to come here, so, you know, is, 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 is we, we get to go in because we wanted to go, and, and that's not the ticket. You see, the man that we're about to read in this scripture today, uh, he wanted to, he wants to go to heaven. He, he wants that, but there's a difference in wanting to go to heaven and receiving the gift of salvation uh, as a free gift. There's a, there's a difference in receiving Christ and wanting to just go to heaven. There's a difference. And so let's look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verse number 17. The Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is not good, excuse me, there is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we get into the message this morning, I ask that you would bless it in a great way. Lord, I pray that you would keep me in the scripture. I pray that we would leave here with a better understanding of the text, and Lord, uh, uh, even a greater love for you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. In this particular portion of scripture, uh, we see here that this man comes to, to Jesus. And if you see there uh, in, your, in verse number 17, he says, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And when he said uh, good master, this was a big deal because Jesus and everyone else recognized that he was being called uh, by a unique title. Good master. The reality is these rabbis, are, are you, you didn't go to a rabbi and call them good. Uh, he said, there's only one good, that's God. And, uh, and so the fact that he came and gave him this title, uh, they knew that this was unique and this was not something that was ordinarily done. So everyone who was standing around him at this time, when they heard this, it was something that kind of clued in. Well, wait a second. What's going on here? That's not right. Uh, something's different here. If you, if, if you could say was kind of the, kind of the, uh, the atmosphere, uh, but there's uh, uh, thinking about that. He says, hey, why are you calling me good? There's, there's, there's one good. And uh, this was not Jesus denying his deity. Uh, instead, he invited this young man to reflect upon it. And uh, uh, it's as if Jesus said, do you really know what you are saying when you say that when you're calling me good, do you really know what you're saying? 
Um, and so Jesus wasn't denying that deity, but he was, he was uh, kind, of, kind of drawing a line and saying, all right, now let's define some things here. <clears throat> what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You see, I believe here in this text, it's very evident that he wanted heaven, that he did want to go to heaven. That I don't think you could argue that when he says, hey, what can I do to inherit eternal life? But you see here, just like Jesus had to do most of the times that he had to deal with people, he had to kind of reframe their thinking. He had to kind of, okay, now you're looking at this wrong. You're, you're looking at it from the viewpoint, from the vernacular of what can I do? And the reality is there's nothing that you can do. When we look at the scope of it and how we go to heaven, uh, when we say, hey, what can I do to get there? Uh, if you have to include yourself in any personal pronouns, then you've given the wrong answer. <clears throat> the man really didn't know who he was also, if you think about this text here. He thought that he was righteous, and he didn't really know the kind of person that he was. He didn't see himself in that. And Jesus even goes through, uh, as you see here, he goes through the commandments, being a Jew. This man knew the commandments. Jesus was, was quoting to him only those commandments from the, uh, that, that's often called the, the second tablet of the law, and, uh, and he was addressing uh, those of how we treat each other. Uh, notice he didn't give all of the commandments. He, he, he gave out the ones how we deal with our fellow man, our fellow neighbor. And so Jesus points them out to him uh, immediately out of the gate. He says, hey, don't call me good. He said, uh, you know the commandments. You know what the Bible says. And of course, this man uh, comes to him and says, hey, uh, yes, I know. I, I, I've kept them from my youth. I've kept all of these. <clears throat> but once again, he's not viewing them properly. Each one of these commandments is, is pure and just and they're good, uh, but the world would, would be much a better place if everyone would keep these commandments. But here's the deal. Uh, he kept these on the surface. He was good. Okay, I didn't have physical this. I didn't do this. Uh, I kept all of these things uh, in the physical sense, uh, but here's the reality. Jesus is exposing and he's diving straight in for the heart and he's, he's showing him here, here, the reality is you may not have physically committed those, but if you've committed it in your mind, Mind, you're just as guilty. The reality is, hey, I didn't physically do that, but I thought about it. You know, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me hit home with you. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about hitting somebody? Raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand. <laughs> you say, I didn't do it, but I thought about it. I thought about it. That person at the grocery store, that person who, you, who got behind you and they got all upset and they started beeping at you and, and calling you all kinds of stuff and you just got really upset. You say, hey, I, I didn't slam my car into him, but I sure thought about doing it. Hey, Jesus said, look at, look at here, you're viewing this wrong. Okay, I didn't do this and I didn't do this and I didn't do this. But the reality is it's in your heart. And if that's in your heart, you're just as guilty. In his reply, this ruler said that he had kept all the commandments. And he had done, uh, he had done this since he, was, since he was a child, since he was a youth. And this was possible according to the way that these commandments uh, were commonly uh, viewed, but impossible according to the true meaning of God for these commandments. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said uh, that he thought that he kept all the commandments as a religious Jew. He wrote, uh, he wrote that this thinking at the time that he was concerning the righteousness which is in the law, uh, he was blameless. Uh, and so viewing it of that sense, uh, but yet in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us the real meaning of the law. <clears throat> it goes to the, to the heart. 
not just to the actions, but to the heart. You can have a heart filled with adultery even if you never commit it. A heart filled with murder even if you never do it. A heart that steals even if you never steal. God looks at the heart as well as the actions is what he's trying to say, is what I'm trying to say. The man should have responded, there's no way that I've kept all of these, uh, the law of God completely. Uh, I need a savior. I didn't, but no, it's amazing how people, uh, when they really want to get what they want and they don't want to sacrifice anything for it and they don't want to give up their lifestyle and they don't want to put themselves aside, they don't want to die to self. It's amazing how they'll just dismiss everything. Oh yeah, I did all that. Uh, I tell you, it's very, very hard. Do you ever deal with somebody who just lies to you? I dealt with this the other day. Someone, I knew they were lying. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt I knew it I had proof that they were lying but I wanted to see how far they were going to take it and so I just kept going along with it and going along with it uh, and ended up lying there's nobody here don't worry about it who is it uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> but it, it frustrated me because I just thought I know I know I know you're lying all right Stephen that's a pizza buddy I know you're new but you got to pay up okay <laughs> but then the Bible goes on. If you look down here closer, it's absolutely amazing. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him and ultimately said to him, he, he, filling his, this compassion that Jesus had for this man, uh, he had climbed to the top of the ladder of success. This man had it all. He had wealth. He had what he needed. Uh, he, he didn't necessarily need to, to cling on to a religion or a faith. Uh, he just wanted that extra thing. He wanted that salvation. I've already got the cars. I've already got this. I've already got that. I've already got the homes. I've already got the vacation spots. I've already got the boats. I've got everything I need. And here's one more thing that I want to add to this collection. And can I say that that's not how it works with God. You're not going to add him to the trinket of your collection. Uh, either you're going to add a relationship or it's nothing. Hey, salvation is not about, okay, now I have this and now I continue to do whatever I want to do, how I want to do it. I never reference God. I never walk with God. No, Jesus makes it clear here. Hey, there's more than just, okay, I have this, I have this religion now, so now I'm going to heaven. No, he wants a relationship with you and I. And as it started back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, when God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, he did that for relationship with them. Uh, it wasn't just something that he did uh, just because he wanted to just, he was bored. No, he wanted that relationship with them. He wanted to talk. He wanted to fellowship. He wanted that back and forthness. He said, but there's something that you're lacking. <clears throat> you know, there's people who parallel this with Lazarus and the fact that Lazarus had nothing and he came forth and had everything. But this man had everything but there's one thing he didn't have. He didn't have eternal life. There's one thing that was missing in his life. But here's the sad part. It was the part uh, that was the most important. His eternal soul. His eternal life. You see, you can have it all. You can have it all. I was watching a documentary just the other day on some of the richest people in the world. Some of the richest athletes. How many of these people have gone uh, from, from poor, growing up in the, in the, in the ghettos, to being millionaires, even billionaires, and how some of them were sustained and some of them lost it all. Lost it all. 
I lived up in Akron, Ohio for <coughs> a little bit. And um, when I graduated from Bible college, and I, uh, I remember watching the Cleveland Cavaliers. And at that time, LeBron James was playing there. And at that time, uh, Delonte West was playing there. And uh, there's videos on the internet right now of Delonte West, who supposedly has lost it all. He's, he's, mentally, he's mentally ill, uh, living on the streets and all this stuff up in that area. And it's absolutely sad to see what he once had uh, uh, in the top draft picks uh, of his time. And now to see him with nothing with nothing. Uh, Allen Iverson, he was a guy, he was 1996 draft pick. He was an incredible basketball player. He was drafted the same year that, uh, uh, that uh, Kobe Bryant was. And uh, difference was in those two, Kobe Bryant, he still had everything he had when he passed away just a few weeks ago. Uh, Allen Iverson is broke with nothing, had multi, multi-million dollar contracts. Uh, but here's the thing, money only did so much for them. Only did so much for them. Can I say that that's not the goal? Possessions uh, should not be the goal of this life. Uh, nothing wrong with having things, but when that takes over, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, do you fit into the mold of this person where he says, okay, yeah, I want, I, want, I want heaven, I want heaven, but I want it at my cost, not at yours. I want it on the grounds of what I'm going to offer, not on your grounds, Jesus. And can I say that we can't come to the salvation platform and we can't come there negotiating the price. It's already been paid for by Jesus Christ and it is free. Listen, you can't buy salvation. You can't buy Jesus. You can buy, you can buy uh, politicians. A lot of them are bought. You can buy uh, different people. Yes, you can. <clears throat> Let me say it's pretty bad. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like preaching politics, but I think it's pretty bad when uh, James Carville, uh, who was, who was, uh, he was instrumental in getting the Clintons into the presidency uh, in the campaigning back in the 90s. Uh, he's, he's ripping on, uh, on, uh, on uh, Bernie Sanders. That's pretty bad when you have somebody that liberal and that far out there who's ripping on. Anyway, we'll keep moving. <clears throat> But here's the deal. Jesus looked into his eyes. Jesus saw his heart. The Bible says that Jesus loved him. Do you know why? Because Jesus saw past all of the facade. Jesus saw past all of the fakeness. Jesus looked past all of the hurt, the worry, the anguish, all of the, 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 the fame. Jesus saw past all of that, and he saw into his heart. He saw that this man needed him. And can I say that when we look at somebody, it's not our place to, to decide whether or not they can get saved or whether or not they're going to really live what they're believing. Uh, it's not our place. It is our place to simply bring them the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel. We're here to bring them the good news. Hey, it's not our job to, to determine, oh, I don't think they're ready. No, you simply give them the gospel and you let them decide. But he says, here, here's, where, here's where Jesus, he, literally drawing the, drawing the line in the sand, he said, come, take up your cross and follow me. This man, like all men by nature, had an, a, a situation here put past him. And, and that was, all right, now what am I going to do? All right, here's the, here, here is the proclamation. Uh, here is the decision. If we really want to do the works of God, uh, it must begin with believing on Jesus, who the Father sent, the Bible says in John chapter number six, uh, and we can't trust in our own. Jesus's purpose wasn't to make the man mad, uh, yet he could only be happy by doing what Jesus told him to do. You see, he was always going to be missing something in his life. 
As he turns, the Bible says, and walked away sorrowful. He walked away grieved. Many people have almost everything, yet they're, they're grieved. <clears throat> because possessions only take you so far. Money only buys happiness for so long. Possessions uh, are great to have, but guess what? Once you get them, okay, what, what do they mean? I heard, uh, I think the second, second best boxer of all time is Mike Tyson. <coughs> Who's the best? Rocky Marciano. Perfect record. <coughs> I think Mike Tyson's probably in the second or third there with Muhammad Ali, but Mike Tyson had it all, and, and I know that he's, he's got, that man's got a lot of issues. But I bring him up to say, I've seen uh, interviews with him where he said he literally had it all. He had more money than he knew what to do with. Literally, he said that. But he said, I was still not happy. And by the way, he claims to be a Muslim. And I don't know if he found, quote, happiness in that or not. But the reality is, without Jesus Christ, you can have the money, you can have religion, but there's still something missing. And until you receive Christ in here today, until your loved ones receive Christ, there is always, always, always going to be something missing. You say, I've looked at them and they're pretty happy. I think they're actually content. They don't have Jesus. Hey, uh, I tell you right now, uh, there's still something missing. There's still something missing. Even if they don't realize it, there's something missing. <clears throat> it amazes me. I, I don't think I would really do this, but I've thought about doing this. Brother David, making up a bunch of fake memes and putting them out there like they're, like they're a good saying and seeing how many people will like them and follow it. There are so many false things out there on the, on the cyber world where people are following and liking them and sharing them and living by them. And they're not scripture. They're, they're, actually, they're actually the opposite of scripture, but it sounds good. I had somebody this morning uh, uh, put on their, uh, what, you know, my Sunday list. They had a, a list of seven or eight different things. Uh, and then on there, uh, what, one of their number one things that they kept repeating is, I'm going to follow my heart today. They're not in church. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. Here's the thing. Uh, you're missing something. You're missing something. Let me ask you in here today. I'm not, uh, you see, there's different kind of preaching. I don't like the preaching where people are just preaching at me. I like it when, I get in, when you get me involved. I like it when, when, when you get me thinking. I, I like that. I don't want to just be preached at. Uh, but, but thinking about this, <clears throat> this very thought, um, what is missing in your life? Don't answer out loud. But if you don't have Christ, you're missing something. But let me say this also, you can still have Christ, but still be missing some things. Uh, you can still be missing that, that, that joy that you could have. You could still be missing that service. You still could be missing some very vital things in your life that you're not, you could, basically you could be doing for Christ, but you just choose not to. Greatest thing in the world is to find something that we can do for Jesus Christ and do it and do it. In this passage, <coughs> he had possessions. He had money, he had position, he had power. <clears throat> he even had morals. Hey, I didn't do, I, I stayed away from all those things you just said. I was faithful to my wife. Hey, I, I didn't get involved in this. Hey, I didn't cheat my neighbor. Hey, I did all of these things. Hey, he was a, he was a good man. Can I say this? Uh, that being good is not going to get you anywhere to heaven. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having money. Uh, it's when that money has you that it becomes the problem. 
There's nothing wrong with having position and power. The young man was a community leader. Uh, He held a place of, of honor among his people. But again, Jesus was unimpressed. In the eyes of God, all men are sinners. Hey, I'm I'm glad that you have all of this knowledge. I'm glad that you have all of this prestige. I'm glad that you have all of this clout. I'm glad that you have all of this platform, all this power. Uh, But listen, you're still missing something. Jesus named several commandments to this young man. Yet the man responded that he was good. I'm good. Can I say that it's very hard to lead somebody to Christ when they don't see themselves as a lost sinner? Let me say that it's impossible to lead somebody to Christ when they don't see themselves as a lost sinner because they are 100% trusting in what they have done and what they are going to do. And it has nothing to do with God. It was a common belief amongst the Jews in Christ's day that good works were the secret to salvation. And can I say that hasn't changed today? People still think that their goodness is what's going to get there. If you go out and you poll your neighbors, you go out and poll your coworkers, hey, are you going to heaven? Uh, Why are you going to heaven? Well, ultimately it's going to go back to something that they have done if they haven't put their faith in Christ. And can I say that's always the wrong answer? It's always the wrong answer. He had an urgency in verse number 17. And when he was uh, gone forth into the way, uh, there came one running and kneeled to him. He realized that life isn't going to last forever. Can I say that he didn't take this flippantly? Hey, I want eternal life. I want eternal life. I want it. I want it. I want it. Okay, Jesus says, all right, here you go. Hey, you need to take up your cross and follow me. Whoa, wait a second now. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I wanted. Have you ever had somebody come to you for advice and ultimately all they wanted to do was get out of you what they wanted? Or they just wanted you to agree with them? My wife asked me the other day, she said, hey, I'm thinking about getting this, what do you think? And I said, well, this this is what I think. And I told her what I thought. She said, well, and then she gave me another scenario. I said, hey, you asked me what I thought. If you don't like it, then that's where it is. She wasn't coming to me trying to get what she wanted, uh, but listen to me. What I'm trying to say is when somebody comes with this preconceived notion that, hey, uh, if I can just give you a little bit of information, then maybe, hey, maybe that's the case with some people and how they're trying to go to heaven. Hey, yeah, Jesus, okay, yeah, I did this wrong, but don't touch this area. Yes, you got me there, but don't, don't ask me to give up this sin. Can I say that if you're lost in here today, you need the same sense of urgency for salvations concerning that, hey, I need, I need Christ. I need him. You know, and look at verse number 17. I believe he had humility. He kneeled down. He didn't come to Jesus as if he was above Jesus. He didn't come. He recognized Jesus for who he was. Now, don't miss this in here this morning because there are lots of people. The Bible talks about it in the book of John that there's going to be people who are going to come and say, did I not prophesy in thy name? Did I not do many mighty works? And he's going to say, depart from me. Uh, I never knew you. Hey, there's going to be a time. Hey, but what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say there's going to be people who sit in these pews who are going to stand before God. He's going to say, I never knew you. Hey, but I did good works. Hey, I sang in the choir. I worked in junior church. I was a nursery worker. I went out soul winning. Hey, I I, I worked in the usher's ministry. I did all these things. I went to Bible study. I prayed. I did all these things. He's going to say, I never knew you because there was no relationship there. It was just simply an outward facade of, here, let me put on my spirituality for this time period. 
That's, that's a sad, sad thing for people to stand before God someday not saved. And here, here, here's the thing. There, I believe with all my heart there's going to be people all across the nation who are going to go, and they really think that they are because of the good works they've done. And the ministers in the pulpit who lied to them so that they can get their money, so they can build a bigger ministry. Hey, can I tell you that, that you say, are you content? I'm content with whatever size ministry God wants us to have. Amen. If that's 20 people, if that's 20,000 people, I'm fine with it. But I'm not in the business of trying to manipulate people, try, trying to pull one over on somebody uh, so that we can have a bigger this and a better this. No, no. Hey, I, if you notice, I'm not a preacher and I never have been. I'm not one that likes playing on people's emotions. I've sat in some Baptist churches uh, where they play on your emotions to try to get you to the altar so that they can have a bigger altar call. I've been in church, I've seen churches uh, where, where they require all of their staff and anybody in leadership, they have to come to the altar uh, so there's an appearance of people coming to the altar. Can I say, if the Lord doesn't draw you to this altar, I'm not forcing anyone. I want to be real. I want it to be real. Which, by the way, there's no special thing that, that takes you from your seat to this spot that makes you more right with God because you came. You can talk to God right there in your pew. Can I get an amen right there? <clears throat> I've seen preachers during the invitation time ask people to raise their hands, and though I've peaked. Have you ever peaked during invitation time? You know, yeah, I peaked. Hey, I've peaked. And they start calling out, and I see that hand, and I didn't see that hand. I looked up, and I didn't see anybody's hands going up. And I thought, what are you trying to pull here? Hey, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, let's be real. And here's what I'm trying to, and I brought these things up for this reason. When you stand before God, there's not going to be a, well, uh, I'm here because I did this, or I'm here because I deserve it. No, you better be real with God because you're not going to have all these excuses. They're not going to fly. Did you put your faith in Jesus Christ or not? He had a desire. He had a desire. But here in verse 22, and he was sad at that saying, What's, what's so crazy? <laughs> let's, let's, look at, let's look at verse 21. I, I don't want you to miss this this morning. And I'm not going to be too much longer. Probably like 45 more minutes. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, is he telling the truth or what? Verse number 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross. And follow me. I think so many people misinterpret this verse. They feel that, oh, I'm giving up all this stuff, so therefore I'm going to have all this stuff in heaven because of it. That's not necessarily the case. See, the reality is, this is, this is so, if, if you wrap your mind around what just happened in verse 21, what Jesus just said, he said, if you will go and sell what you have, he said, you have treasure in heaven. The reality is, his treasure in heaven wasn't necessarily intangible evidence. His treasure in heaven uh, was the very fact that he would be there. Are you with me? I'm not saying he wouldn't have all the little trinkets and all that stuff for cars. I'm not saying he wouldn't have those things. Uh, but he literally gave up eternal riches and glory, citizenship in heaven, because he wanted what he had now. That guess what? It's going to burn up someday. 
is going to mean absolutely nothing in the scheme of things. We talked a little bit about this in my Sunday school class this morning, uh, the fact that so many people, they're focused on the here and now, and they're not focused on what's going to come. So many people get upset about God. They, they turn their back on God. They turn from their faith. You know, the Bible talks about people who are going to turn from their faith. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. The Bible talks about in the end times and all these different things that are going to take place. The fact that people are going to be lovers of themselves. The fact that people are going to tend to their own lives and they're not going to be focused on the things of God. Can I tell you in here today that I'm not going to let the downfall of a bunch of preachers or a bunch of independent fundamental Baptists who have done things the wrong way or whether they're independent or not, I'm not going to let those people deter me from serving Jesus Christ. I got a friend in Bible college, it it grieves me. He's walked away from God, the faith, and everything. If you look at him on Facebook, he's the opposite of what he was. I preached with this guy. I sang in choir with this guy. He was a great force for Jesus Christ. But something happened in his life. He lost someone very close to him, and he blamed God. Can I encourage you with what I encourage my Sunday school class in here today? That if you view this life as everything, you're going to be of all men most miserable. Because this life is a small portion of what's to come in eternity. So how can I encourage you in here today to make the most out of your life for Jesus Christ and not for self? The reality is every person, I can, I, I can make an absolute in here today. Every person in this room is going to live forever either in heaven or hell. One or the other. One or the other. Can I say that you can't afford to get this thing wrong? You can't afford to be wrong on this thing. Well, I'm going to live my life, and as soon as I'm at the end of it, that just doesn't make sense. I never did understand that. I never even thought that as a kid. Well, I'll just live my whole life, and then right before I die, uh, I'll go ahead and get saved. You know, I was young enough and was around enough uh, people who died as a young age that I realized I'm not promised tomorrow. I remember at three years old going to my cousin's funeral. He was nine months old, Brandon Casey, nine months old, had a heart defect when he was born and passed away at nine months old. I remember that funeral at three years old. I was eight years old. I remember my aunt dying in a car wreck. She was going up toward New, she was coming back from New Richmond, taking my cousin to work. And uh, she came up and, you know, right there along the Ohio River there, uh, as you come up through there, uh, coming from New Richmond back down toward Kellogg Avenue. And she was coming out and didn't see it. It was foggy because of all the, because uh, of the, uh, the Ohio River there. And she pulled out and, and collided with a, a big giant conversion van. And she, they were both thrown from the car. She was killed instantly. And my cousin, uh, they had to life flight them to the hospital. And, uh, and he, had, he was a mess for months in the hospital. I was eight years old. I remember that very, very <laughs> clearly. What I'm saying is I, I was under the impression at a very young age that I'm not promised tomorrow. In verse 21, even though he was a sinner, Are you ready for this? Jesus beholding him, loved him. Jesus saw past all, everything he, you know, here's the reality. We make ourselves up to be very good, don't we? How many of you have ever gone for a job interview? Raise your hand. How many of you got your resume together? Raise your hand. Oh man, you are the best person on this planet. 
I mean, it's amazing. I've put it, I've went to, I remember when I was just, you know, going out, just out of high school, putting in applications for, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't even have a work history. I'm telling you what, I made up so many things to sound so good. I didn't make things up, but made them sound so good. I mean, they, you'd have thought I was applying for, for a corp, major corporation as the head. Three years experience in the custodial arts. You know what I did? I swept floors. That's what I did. I mean, you make, you know, we, the reality is we make ourselves up to be something big, don't we, before others? I hate it when I go to those job interviews. I haven't been to one in a long time, praise the Lord. <laughs> Ten years, amen? And they start telling, they, they start asking you, okay, now what are, what are your, what are the areas that, that uh, you know, that you struggle with? And I'm like, is this a trick question? I'm not about to tell you what, I, what, I, what I'm not good at. Then you're not going to hire me. Can I say standing before God? He already knows. He doesn't need your resume. He, it, he doesn't care how many church you pastored in. He doesn't care how many years you taught in junior church. Hey, I'm not saying, when I say he doesn't care, I'm saying to, in order to go to heaven, hey, God does care if you serve him. He does love the fact that you, you, that you want to serve him in whatever capacity you can. But when we stand before him, we're, we're not going to throw that up there. Well, I served in Sunday school. Okay. But did you trust in me? Even though he was a sinner. The Bible clearly says in verse 21 that Jesus looked at him and he just loved him. Aren't you glad that even though God knows what we've been through, he knows our past, and aren't you thankful that God loves you through and through? I don't know about you, but I don't know another person on this earth that loves you in spite of you like Jesus does. And this is a true window into the heart of Jesus and his compassion. You want to say that Jesus doesn't love you and Jesus didn't care for you. The fact that he looked at this man standing there, oh yeah, I'm perfect. I've not done any of these things wrong. And Jesus still says, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you in spite of you. <clears throat> you know what Jesus did when he came before him? Simply put, Jesus just simply held up the mirror of God's word to him and exposed some things. Can I say when we stand before God, I'm so thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to my account and I'm not going to have to give account for one sin when I stand before him. But here's the reality, like the Bible says in James chapter 1, uh, the mirror of the word of God has the power to show us what we really are. What we really are. You know what I am before God? Justified. Freed. A child of his. In verse 21, Jesus told this man exactly what he had to do to be saved forever. Renounce your wealth. Take up your cross. Follow me. <clears throat> Can I say that just as much as that is needed to then is needed now? You cannot get the gift of eternal life while grasping on to this world. 
Hey, I'll come, I'll, I, I, I'll come to you, Jesus, but just wait. I got to go take care of a few things. I got to go, go live out a few more things. I got to take care of a few. No, just, just right now. Just, just come to me now. Just come to me. No, you don't need a grace period. You don't need a waiting period. You don't have to sit in the waiting room. Just come to me right now. He says, take up your cross. This means that we need to be willing to be identified with Jesus. Can I say that there ought not be a, oh yeah, yeah, I got saved. Man, I was so excited when I got saved. I, I, listen, I didn't go home and hide it. I said, mom, dad, I got saved today. I've got to get baptized now. I was excited. A few weeks later, they arranged it for us to, to go and for me to go and be baptized because I had put my faith in Jesus Christ. This was an exciting thing. I wanted the world to know it. But every once in a while, you got to be careful because there's those little uh, Christians who want to who uh, who've been saved for 20 years who want to downplay your excitement. You're getting a little too excited about this thing. Oh, forgive me. I'm only going to heaven forever. I had family members literally sit me down and say, "You're too excited for Jesus." And you know what? After a while, if you're not careful, you hang around that crowd long enough, you'll start to believe it. And he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. If you cannot see Jesus, then you're not following him. Some people, they're, they're religious, but they're lost. They went to that church for a while, but that was about it. <clears throat> there ought to be an excitement that jumps out from you when you hear the name Jesus. When you hear the word grace and mercy and all that God's done for us, when you think about those things, why in the world can we allow this world to discourage us from following uh, the true and mighty God? How can we let this world uh, want to sit and throw science in somebody's face every time and try to prove away God or disprove God uh, because they have some science uh, in their name, in their, in their argument? Hey, the reality is we know that Jesus is the, the true God. We know that Jesus is who he said he is. We know that he's all-powerful. We know Know that he's all-knowing. Hey, listen to me now. Uh, and if I die and I wake up and I'm wrong, then what have I lost? But I know he is who he said he is. Be careful, church. This is more than just preacher just trying to get this across. Please do not allow this world to discourage you in your faith. Please do not allow the world system. You know, we talked about uh, many times about, okay, well, what is the world system? And, you know, love not the world, neither the things in the world. Yeah, we know that it's not talking about the people itself. It's talking about the system of the world. And can I say, the moment we start letting the world system dictate what we believe and how we worship and how we serve and how we love God, then I'm telling you, uh, you're going to be like that Demas hath forsaken me segment. A lot of people jump ship. Not, I'm not talking about, here's one thing. You may have been hurt at a church. You may have been hurt by a pastor. Our church is probably 90% made up of people who were hurt by some other pastor at some point in their life. Yeah. Try coming into a church and pastoring that. Yeah. <laughs> I took a church that passed, <laughs> as a pastor of people who were, who were seriously abused by the pastor. I'm so, here, here's what I'm trying to get, take away from this. I'm so thankful that they did not jump ship on God, that they stayed with it. Amen. I'm so thankful. I hope that if somebody hurt you here, he, me or somebody else, God forbid that. But if that were to happen, I pray that you won't quit on God and go and just walk away and be done. 
Because man does have error, but God doesn't. God loves you. God loves you. Just like he loved this man. Even though this man stood up before him and said, oh no, yeah, I I, I did all that. You're missing something though. Take up your cross and follow me. Nope. And he went away sad. Could you imagine being in the presence at the literal feet of Jesus and walking away unsaved? Walking away sad with everything Jesus could have done. He walked away. Can I encourage you in here today, if you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, to don't walk away sad. If there's something, you, and this isn't a message about what all you need to give up in here today, but if there's something that you need to give up, maybe it's your pride. That is the number one thing that kept me from getting saved for almost two months was my pride. Hearing the message over and over again, my pride. What will others think of me? So finally, I had to cur- I don't care what they think of me. I'm not going to hell over anybody. And I got saved. And, and if you're wondering, I'm still excited about it. I'm still happy about it. If you're not in here today, hey, what is, what is it? What is it that's keeping you from getting excited about the fact that you're saved? Some of you are going to walk away from here today, listen to me now, sad. Maybe you're saved and you're still going to walk away from here sad. Hey, God's been good to you. God's been good to us. He really has. You know what I said when I prayed earlier? God, you don't owe me anything. He doesn't. He doesn't owe me an explanation for why he does what he does. Two of my kids are homesick today. My daughter, she's been running a fever for almost a solid month. I don't point my hand at God and say, you better fix this or else. No, I say, I pray, Lord, please, please, heal her. But Lord, whatever's going on, we trust you. We trust you with it. Hey, that's not weakness. That's reliance on God. Lord, I trust you in this situation. I remember watching my grandpa when was there the moment that they came in and said, one of your 12 children has just been killed in a car wreck. Her name was Joyce. He shed some tears, but you know what he did? He went in and he read his Bible and he talked with God. You know, that was my example as a young boy of what to do when you don't know what to do, when you don't understand why something's going on said, you know, God hasn't left me. He hasn't forsaken me. I'm going to trust him. And you know what? Four short years later, he was reunited with her. If you're in here and you're not saved, don't walk away from here sad. And you're in here and you're saved, don't walk away here sad because Life hasn't gone the way you thought it should. You didn't get what you thought. You don't have the answers. You don't have the explanations you think you should have. Hey, just trust God through it. If he chooses to reveal someday, you say, do you have a lot of questions for God? Oh, yes. You Hey, look up here. Look up here, and I'm going to go into invitation time. You're looking at a man who does not have all the answers, who does have questions for God sometimes. God, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand that. That doesn't mean that God's still not on the throne because I don't understand what he's doing. I know this, that when I tell my kids to do something, I want them to do it 
Sometimes without explanation because I want them to know how to obey. I want them to know how to keep doing, how to keep going. Sometimes they get an explanation, sometimes they don't. Doesn't mean I love them any less, does it? I love them just the same. But you know what? There's some things that I look back now, I'm 34 years old, there's some things that I tell my kids, you just have to trust me, you can't do this. You can't, go with, you can't, you can't spend time with that person. You just have to trust me. You'll understand later on. Do you get that? Now, if you're anything like me, when I was a child, I didn't like for my parents to say, someday you'll understand. Now, I want to know right now, you won't understand. Just trust me, you'll understand someday. And listen, that someday for some of us might not be until we get the glory. But just keep trusting and keep following the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.